This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Good evening. You are with Lynn and Sharmila. And first up this hour, the Pakatan Barisan Coalition has won both the Pulai and Simpang Jerambai elections. So we're going to look at what this means. So the by-elections were held on Saturday, of course. Pakatan Barisan um, emerged victorious in both seats. And those seats were previously held by the late Datuk Sri Salahuddin Ayub, who passed away on the 23rd of July from a brain hemorrhage. Now, if we look at the Pulai by-election, um, Pakatan candidate Suhaizan Kayat won the parliamentary seat with over 48,000 votes. Meanwhile, the Perikatan candidate Zulkifli Jaffa, in comparison, got just under 30,000 votes. Independent candidate Samsudin Mahaman Fauzi received 528. Um, now, Suhaizan said that after his victory, uh, Pakatan was always the people's choice, despite the predictions from political punters. Uh, if we look at Simpang Jaram, meanwhile, uh, Pakatan candidate Nazri Abdul Rahman won with over 13,000 votes, defeating Perikatan's Dr. Mohamed Mazri Yahya, who got 10,000. Meanwhile, independent candidate S. Jagannathan secured just 311 votes. So we're talking a little bit about voter turnout. In Pulai, it was 47.3%, so not very high. Meanwhile, Simpang Jaram was 60.85%, which again is lower than people had expected. There are a few reasons for this that uh, people have posited, including the weather, but also maybe just, well, I was going to say protest votes, but it's actually protest non-votes, right? People mm. just saying that they didn't want to come out uh, and vote for who they might typically have voted for. Now, it is worth saying also that you mentioned earlier that punters had anticipated that it might not have gone this way and that was partly because of the results of the Deputy Prime Minister Ahmad Zayed Hamidi's court case. Um, the DNAA, the discharge not amounting to an acquittal, that happened late last week and there were concerns that it was going to affect how people viewed the the unity government, how people thought about showing support for them. So it, it'll be interesting to I guess get into it with our expert after this. Let us know though, we are talking about the two by-elections that took place in Johor over the weekend. Was this a story you were following? Uh, what do you think of the results? Pakatan has come out on top in both seats. That number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. You can send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. After this, we're going to be joined by Kevin Chang, who is a Senior Research Officer from the IC's Yusuf Ishak Institute, so do keep it here, BFM 89.9. Bole for Malaysia. Ha. BFM 89.9, the business station. It is 5.11 and you're listening to the Evening Edition with Lynn and Sharmila. We are starting off, of course, with the big, well, one of the big political headlines to have come out over the weekend. The other is going to be on Inside Story. But we are starting off with the results of the Pulai and Simpang Jerambai elections that were held on Saturday, um, in which, in both instances, the Pakatan Barisan Coalition came out on top. We are asking you whether this is a story you were following. Uh, what do you think of the results? You can call double seven. 
9332900, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. Joining us now, of course, to talk about this is Kevin Zhang, a Senior Research Officer from the ICS Yusuf Ishak Institute. Kevin, thanks for speaking with us. Um, all right. Firstly, what message can we take from the unity government's victory in both by-election seats in Johor? What does the win signify? First of all, it's an important signal to the Anwar government that the NDA issue for Zahid Hamidi hasn't been so much of attraction, at least in the Johor electorate. So and previous observers were saying that because of the NDA issue where Zahid was uh, discharged, not mounting to acquittal, would have a material impact on the Johor elections, right? especially discouraging PH supporters from turning up, whereas empowering the Pikata National Malay conservative base, but you don't see that playing out in Johor precisely. Uh, if, even if you look at the results comparing this by-election to the previous uh, state elections and the general election, of course, uh, Pakatan Harapan and Barisan National still has quite a credible edge by winning about 58% in um, 58 to 61% for both of the state constituencies. So that shows that um, the Pakatan government and Barisan National is still going rather strong in Johor in comparison to other more northern and east coast states. Now, let's talk about nuts and bolts. The voter turnout was lower than expected, with some pointing out that this might be because of the weather, while others said it might be voter apathy or disinterest. What do you make of this? To be fair, um, the low voter turnout is not something that's out of the blue, because um, first, if you look at, the again, the Johor state election in 2022, um, the voter turnout in, for example, in uh, Simpang Jaram was actually even lower than the by-election. So in 2022 last year, uh, it was actually 54%, whereas on Saturday, it was 60%. So there's actually been an increase in voter turnout for Simpang Jaram. Um, so of course, Pulai is, is about um, uh, 47%, right, which is... Um, uh, lower than last year's general election. But as a whole, this is to be expected for by-elections, given that the stakes are lower. Uh, there isn't a hung state or parliament assembly, and the materials itself would not have a practical impact on uh, whether the current government would uh, you know, continue to stand. So I think those results are uh, probably that those factors have a bigger role to play compared to uh, the thunderstorms in Pulai and Sipang Jaram and the heavy rains and um, because you see that in 2013 and 2018, when there was a uh, strong desire to change uh, change government back then, during uh, Prime Minister Najib, um, you know there was strong voters turnout regardless of rain and shine. You know, doesn't matter uh, which part of Malaysia, there was strong voters turnout throughout uh, Jong. So um, in, in practice, I think it's a lot to do to whether it was there incentive or disincentive for people to turn out more than uh, external factors. So if we go back a little bit, what were some of the key issues going into these by-elections and how did we see the results reflecting that? So it's, it's a funny, it's almost like an ironic twist of fate, I would say. Because if you look at how Pakatan Harapan, particularly DAP and, and, and its component parties, has been framing the elections in Johor, their focus has always been on national issue since 2008, all the way up to uh even uh, the recent, uh, what do you call it, state election last year, right? The focus has been on, you know, we need to vote for, so so PH has always framed, at least in the case of Johor, right? Framing elections, be it state or, or by-elections in Tanjong Pia, framing as a national issue. 
Um, so 2008, 2013, 2018, even, at, even when choosing the state uh, assemblyman, the, they frame it as a rejection of the corrupt Barisa national. And that's how PH has always, in that sense, used the national uh, framing in order to win uh, Johor, right, in 2018 for that matter. And even, let's not forget, in last year's um, uh, uh, state elections, um, the idea was about rejecting Najib and Zahid, right? So you have people like uh, Tony Poa coming down to Johor, uh, a, a Pulai seat, ironically, to talk about this issue. But somehow in this by-election for quite obvious reasons, um, they have changed. You know, no longer the focus is on national issue, but it's more like um, you know, they need to vote for the Amana candidate because currently BN is the state government in Johor. And you know, there's barely any mention of corruption or even uh, federal or national politics. Whereas is Rikata National now trying to bring, um, in fact, one point is that Anthony Lok even mentioned that, you know, let, uh, you know let's just focus on Johor uh, development, right, and, and, and not go to uh, DNAA, you know, when, when asked by reporters during the election campaign period. Whereas it is Rikata National trying to bring the national into the by-election. So you have Tan Sri Mayudin commenting on some very controversial uh, haram comment, right? That, you know, not vote for Sohaizan Kaya, uh, the PH candidate for Pulai, right? And PN has been framing as a rejection of uh, the uh, corruption within uh, Barisan National and also how the Anwar government has is seen as compromising to the demands of Zahid Hamidi, right? So there's almost like a reversal of roles, which is um, a very, very uh, interesting development, I would say, in both Johor and I'll foresee this development uh, continuing even the upcoming uh, by-elections and general, uh, probably even general election in the future. So specifically, analysts are saying that these results indicated that uh, racial and religious sentiment haven't been very well received by Johorians. Would you say that that's accurate? Uh, broadly, it would say so because, again, if we go at the numbers, of course, currently we do not have the polling districts uh, numbers, so we are just looking at the general numbers. So it's, it's a bit hard to predict what is the turnout among Malays and Chinese, right? Because that one you have to go by each locality and to see the locality's racial breakdown. But we know from previous by-elections and state elections in Johor last year that typically Malay has a higher turnout than Chinese, right? And for uh, in both uh, areas, Malays, uh, for, for in Simpang Jaram, Malays is about 53%, in Pula is a bit lower than that. But it's around half, right? So, um, but the result shows that in both uh, constituencies, uh, PH candidates for Simpang Jaram won about 58%, uh, sorry, 56%, Pulai about 61%. And given that Malay's turnout is typically, Malay's constitute half of the, about half of the electorate, and their turnout is generally higher than the Chinese, we know that uh, PH won these results with a significant chunk of the Malay's support. In other words, it's, impossible for PH to get this result they had on Saturday just by banking on the non-Malay votes, which uh, indicates that uh, race and religious uh, discourse, uh, at least among sizable part of Johorian Malays, isn't as uh, appealing to them compared to some of the other northern or east coast peninsula states, right? So despite Muhyiddin trying to say that, you know, uh, of course, he 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 backtracked later on, saying that oh, it was actually a jest. I mean, it wasn't serious about issuing a fatwa to say that it was haram to 
vote for PH candidate. But nonetheless, this kind of religious and racial sentiment has been played upon by Pikatan during this by-election. But um, it doesn't seem to have as much appeal in Johor compared to other uh, 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 states. Then again, um, there needs to be, uh, I think this is only preliminary analysis. So, you know, until the polling district results are out, uh, then we can say a bit more about how the racial and religion, how, how people vote on racial lines. On the other hand, for uh, Pakatan Harapan, you do see a, a genuine collaboration, particularly towards the second half of the campaign between both BN and PH. And um, of course, for them, because it is, you know, AMNO as a key player, there, there, there is structural incentive for them not to hype on the uh, race and religion rhetoric and to focus a bit more on the developmental aspects of Johor, particularly for uh, Simpang Jeram, which is a semi-urban, semi-rural area, which uh, flooding is a big issue. So I think for uh, Pakana Harapan, especially them being the both the ruling state and federal government, the focus has been a lot of the local issues. Uh, for you know, in Simpang Jeram, talking about jobs, about infrastructure projects, and staying clear away from the uh, race and rel religious rhetoric, which Pikata National was. Uh, Harping a bit more, but to be fair to them, even uh, the PN candidate for Simpang Jeram, he's uh, focusing a lot also on the, the, the flooding and actual issues. So uh, I think there's moderation on both sides, in, at least on the part of their, the, the, the running candidates. Now, Kevin, you did touch on this earlier, but just to expand, before the by-elections, analysts were in fact predicting that the public's views on uh, the recent prominent court decisions might impact their choice on who to vote for the uh, on whether to vote for the unity government. So, how did we see this all playing out? I think people predicted there would be an impact, um, but if you look at the results again, as I, I shared earlier on, for uh, Pakatan Harapan to get. Uh, about 56% in Simpang Jeram, 61% Pulai. That shows that um, the DNAA hasn't really have much of a... Uh, well, at best, it had a, a, maybe a bit of swing, but it wasn't sufficient to cause the defeat of PH candidates, in at least in Johor, right? So, of, of course, let's not forget that Johor is, has always been, for the longest time, until recent years, the stronghold of Barisan National. And... Um, I'm not saying that the results in Johor will be replicated elsewhere in other parts of peninsula. In fact, I suspect uh, probably is specific to Johor itself. And we should look at upcoming by-election in Pahang, in Pelangai, uh, right? To see whether, uh, you know, people would continue to support BN candidate because the current incumbent for, for that Pahang seat is BN. Or would they switch to Pikatan National? Uh, especially Malay majority suit. So it's still a bit early to say uh, to say that whether the court issues has an impact outside of Johor. But I think it's safe to say that at least within Johor, the impact is rather muted. So Johor has long been an UMNO stronghold um, as the party struggles with many things, a power shake-up, larger questions about their identity. What do you think they can take away from these results? That's a really hard question because a lot of the power struggles is actually not within Amno Johor, but it's actually within Amno at the national level. And there's something that uh, it goes beyond the control of the Johor State Chief, uh, which is currently Khalid Nordin or even the Johor MD uh, Hafiz On, right? Because, uh, of course, Zahid being the party president, he's not from Johor, he's from Para. And, you know, reforming Amno cannot just be just a Johor-Amno kind of decision. So um, 
it's, it's, it really has to be about what AMNO as a whole collective, uh, in, at least in Peninsula, decides to do in terms of leadership reforms, if there's any, if there's a, a differing direction. But for now, there doesn't seem to be clear direction a bit after the general election, after the state election, uh, or, or even after this by-election, doesn't seem to be much signs to show that there has been much rethinking on changing the uh, status quo or the operas monday of uh, AMNO. It seems to be uh, rather uh, a status quo driven. And does this indicate a greater acceptance of the Pakatan Barisan partnership? I think this is where the results itself there's a limit to what the results can inform us, right? So, of course, um, if you look at just numbers per se, Salahuddin Ayub uh, in 2018 won in, uh, in Pulai, right, 63%. And in uh, the by-election on Saturday, he won. Uh, so, Haizan Kaya, his successor, won 61%. So, if we just look at the numbers, then it seems to say that, hmm, you know, maybe people are accepting of uh, the the... Uh, the, the, the BNPH uh, uh, co uh, coalition. But I think what happens if, in, on the ground reality is, you know, uh, ground sentiments talking to people in Johor, in broadly speaking, Malaysia, is that uh, people, probably a broad majority of Malaysians, um, they're just sick and tired of the politicking and the change of prime minister, four prime minister within the last three years, right? Let's not forget the impact of COVID. So, um, I would say to some extent is a resignation or a, a unwilling, you know, they just concede to the fact that, you know, for the sake of uh, political stability, I'm, I'm talking about PH supporters, right? For the sake of political stability, they have no choice but to uh, work with AMNO, even though essentially be announced AMNO and it doesn't seem like AMNO is trying to change or reform itself. But it's just a, it's, it's just a, you know, inevitable political price to pay. So uh, I'm not sure whether it's acceptance or resignation that this is how uh, the real politic of you know, having political stability and having some sense of uh, a progress or a way forward for Malaysia. Uh, uh, I think the bigger test will be really on general election, where that's where you will see a lot more of the debates or even uh, discontent with uh, the current uh, uh, if there is by then you know this uh, coalition between BN and PH because for now um, given what has experienced in Malaysia the unprecedented political turmoil I think people just want to move on and give this government a bit more time to implement its uh, uh, manifesto and policies right before the next upcoming general election so it's a bit more of a reflection of that than to say that they are uh, satisfied or accepting the BNPH uh, collaboration. Kevin, thank you so much for speaking with us today. All right, thank you so much. That was Kevin Zhang, Senior Research Officer from ICSU Yusuf Ishak Institute, talking to us about the Johor by-elections that took place over the weekend um, in which the Pakatan Barisan Coalition came out victorious. Let us know, um, were you following this? What do you think of the results? That number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. You can send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. Keep it here, BFM 89. You have been listening to a podcast 
from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.